0: Hello everybody, we're here for a quick espresso and geography where a special guest and I talk current geographical affairs for a maximum of 15 minutes. Now this shot of geography laden caffeine is the buzz and concern cons- uh, caused by mind-blowing temperature anomalies that we are seeing across the globe and in particular the North Atlantic. So to uh, help us cut through the noise, joining me again is Alistair Hamill. Hi again Alistair, thanks for coming back. Hi Kurt, it's great to be back. Yeah, well, I was thinking about having my Espresso and Geography guests on rotation, but uh, this is something which really does link to our previous Espresso chat about El Nino, really, uh, as we'll yep. talk about a bit later, and it's delightful to see you anyway, so that was a double excuse for me. Where do we start with this? So I guess it all started, as it usually does, these kind of things on social media, because the the main media hasn't really picked this up, and that is people who are quite credible in climate science they're they're critical thinkers they look at the data they don't usually shout and scream with superlatives and and you know very alarmist language posted some things some graphs on twitter Mm -hmm. that for me did look quite quite unusual quite strange so alistair can you uh, pick us up for us about what were these things that we were seeing that made us well folks like you and me and other people interested in climate sit up and take note go this this doesn't seem right this doesn't seem usual
1: yeah, sure, Kit. Yes, as you said, the the last uh, espresso that we did was all about the, the possible onset of El Nino. And since then, it, it has been confirmed. It's, it's not a surprise, I think, given where it seemed to be going. Uh, which, as we said last time, uh, whenever you go into an El Nino year, it's going to boost global temperatures. And, and we did talk about, you suggest that time, that it could well be over the next number of years that we could be facing some kind of uh, climate temperature records again little did it. we mm. know yeah know what four six weeks since we last spoke that these uh, record-breaking and they are genuinely record-breaking temperatures are happening um, there's a couple of graphs that probably are good springboard into this in, in the first instance and this was the first one will be a graph of the um the global sea temperatures um, so again these graphs will will put them in the show notes i'm sure so that people can look yep. at them but this first one is showing the the spread of global sea temperatures that have happened across the period the of years since nineteen eighty one, and um, you've got a little line that's appearing for twenty twenty three. So if you can picture the left hand side of the graph, January, and in the first couple of months, the line. 2023 is sitting up towards the top of this range of temperature lines that have been going on for um, the, since 1981. And then when we get into March uh, and April time, we actually see it do something really particularly uh, considerable and it goes much much higher, not just slightly higher but considerably mm-hmm. higher than any of the previous lines have been before. Um, the, the sea temperatures the uh, global sea temperatures are, are not just slightly above average Um, they've gone well above average uh, and it's uh, an all time high Um, but the particular one as you said that's uh, um, really caught my eye was the what's been happening in the North Atlantic the the last espresso we chatted about uh, El Nino which of course the centre of of attention there is all about sea surface temperatures um, in the Pacific Ocean but it does have global implications but that's where the driver comes Um, and since then the particular spike that we're seeing um, is in the North Atlantic. So this is the second graph that I'm I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, the source from this is is NOAA, and and again it's looking at a, a range of surface sea surface temperature anomalies from the 1982 to 2011 mean. And again, you know, for the first few months of the year, it's sitting in line, and then it starts to rise, and then over the last kind of three four weeks or so. Um, the line has gone up precipitously. Um, So the previous uh, record, as I'm looking at the graph here, setting in around about difference in degrees of around about 0.8 degrees above the 1982-2011 anomaly. This red line for the the, uh, North Atlantic um, for 2023 is now spiking up as of the 21st of June to 1.3 degrees. Mm -hmm above the the long-term mean that's to say it's yep. not just higher it's considerably higher
0: significantly and uh, f- so folks uh some of you may understand the terms uh standard deviation which is kind of like where you've got a group of data and you know the vast majority of the data which is what 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 you would say your 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 means are your averages are you know it's basically a standard deviation of, of zero. You know, everything along the mean is a standard deviation of zero. Um, and then as you depart from that mean, you get one standard deviation of mean and you get where about 95% of the data would, would sit from that. And then you go to two standard deviations and you like 99% of all data points would be between that. Well, this data is so out of whack from everything. We are looking at... Three and a half to four standard deviations away from the mean. It is absolutely statistically significant. And what that means, if you were to translate these figures, these standard deviations into probability, we're looking at something, uh, so a data point that would occur uh, with a, a, a 150,000 chance, or it could even be higher odds than that. So this is something which is exceptionally, exceptionally strange. So, of course, this has got everybody up in a, in intrigued. It's got people excited. It's got people very, very concerned and alarmed. And of course, now we need to figure out, okay, what is actually going on? Have we reached a, have we reached a tipping point? Is finally everything, you know, going out of whack in the North Atlantic? Or have we just got to sit down and have a look about what's going on? So, so Alistair, first of all, as you suggested, El Nino, First of all, El Nino's over in the Pacific. What on earth has this got to do with the Atlantic? You know, why could these, these things be be linked? So give us a little bit of an overview about very, very quickly about the linkage between the heat in the in the Pacific and the heat in the Atlantic.
1: Yeah, so with the El Nino starts within uh, the Pacific Ocean, um, that's where it originates and it's, it's that change in the trade winds that allows for the redistribution of the heat uh, of the ocean. But because the the atmosphere is a globally interconnected system, um, just because it's happening there and that's in a place that we call the Pacific Ocean, which is separate from the thing that we call the Atlantic Ocean, um, mm. the atmosphere, of course, doesn't recognize those little neat boundaries that we do. So this is something that can affect global winds and and global precipitation patterns, uh, including then the global winds and precipitation patterns that are affecting the Atlantic Ocean. And as we take a look at some of the speculation as to what's causing this uh, in the Atlantic, one of the things seems to be the position of the polar front jet stream in the Atlantic at the moment, Mm -hmm. which can be affected by the redistribution of the the winds, um, which reflect the redistribution of the, the heat energy in the Pacific
0: Yep. So there you go. For it. it's, it's all. It is quite complex. It's all, but it's all interconnected. But, but it's because we have an interconnected system where changes in one part of the system, both ocean and the atmosphere, can have an impact elsewhere. So we were expecting temperatures, you know, in the North Atlantic to get warm as with the onset of El Nino. But of course, it's this very statistically um, significant event that is taking place. So what on earth could be El Nino? Is is probably one of the main drivers so but it can't do this by itself so what else have we got going on well here's something else folks and this is and what I said to Alistair actually as we were chatting about what we're going to do for this episode I realized that about two or three different courses that I took at university for my environment science degree and my climate research climate change stuff came together all these different things atmospheric physics atmospheric chemistry climate change everything and this is what's happening right so as El Nino is kicking off and you know with all that heat in the Pacific what's happening is that the, dis- the redistribution of everything that's happening in place in the upper atmosphere as well it's causing um, whenever there's an El Nino it causes a weakening in the high pressure system that sits in the mid-Atlantic off the coast, uh, in between the coasts of, uh, particularly just off the coast of North Africa, and we call you might have heard of this before. This is called the Azores High, and usually it's pretty strong. Usually it's pretty a strong high pressure system, but actually the El Nino weakens that, and because it weakens that, what's happening is that it's pulling less dust, Saharan dust, off of the Saharan um, desert because it's so fine and it's so powdery and if you listen to me and David Priest talk in, in the main coffee and geography podcast, we talked about how powdery Saharan dust is and so yeah, it is being dragged down to the Atlantic by not in the same quantities as, as usual and because that Azores high is not so strong it's also not pulling that dust up towards the North Atlantic so, and what Saharan dust does, it's a cooling agent it helps to block out solar insulation so without that that cooling it's wrong to call it a blanket without that cooling veil over the ocean over north land we've now got a very big warming as well so that's added into the mix as well so um we've got that and so and alistair what else are people thinking okay so we've got el nino we've got this week Azores, hi, high saharan Get dust that. Yeah, so so one of the things that I, I generally
1: tend to do any time I'm looking at this, you, you'll know me, Kit, well enough to know I'm, I'm massively into remote <sighs> sensing, whether that's satellite yes. imagery, or in particular, what should be every geography teacher's best friend when it comes to teaching anything to do with the atmosphere, and I know David Priest is very much into this as well, and that's yep. Earth Null School, um, which is mm-hmm. a fabulous resource uh, that gives you information about sea surface, uh, temperatures but also about winds but all the way up through the atmosphere and it's got uh, an archive that's that's going back for a good number of years now so one of the things that i immediately did whenever i was starting to prepare for this was to go back into earth and old school We've put together a little bit of a, an animated gif which again we'll share which shows the, the building of that temperature in the north atlantic um, but whenever you have a look in there, you can start to picture and put together a number of the different variables that can influence the weather distribution across the Atlantic Ocean. So as I mentioned to you, the, the jet stream, uh, mm-hmm. typically the jet stream at this time of year is going to be sitting just between its average locations between Iceland and the British Isles. It'll Move up and down a little bit, and if you know anything about the jet stream, it tends to develop these meanders, these waves known as Rossby waves. Um, and the, the jet stream basically marks a very, very strong temperature gradient between the warmer air coming up from the south and the colder air coming down from the north. But it also has a big impact on the surface weather and the depressions and anticyclones that we, we experience. So the jet stream moved way, way up to the north, and then all of a sudden into the last. Um kind of five, six weeks since we last recorded, we have had this amazing blocking high pressure system over the British Isles, which started as an extension of the Azores high pressure, um, and that just got locked on top of us. Now, Northern Ireland had the most glorious, unseasonably hot, um, wall-to-wall sunshine for day after day, week after week, um, and, um, you know, of... Northern Ireland, temperatures, 25 degrees. Those are pleasant, of course. Um, but at the same time, as a geographer, you know, right, temperatures are 25 degrees in Northern Ireland in June. That's very unusual. Mm. Um, what, yep. what what that, because it blocked in for so long, um, and as you say, then it affected the Azores High. So I'm looking here at a couple of images from Earth and Old School that I pulled in from April 23 and June 2023. So April 23, the trade winds are sitting there doing their thing just to the south of the Azores High. So if you're not sure where that sits, that's if you... Um, Picture the Iberian Peninsula and just go west, um, out in the middle of the Atlantic, that's the Azores High. To the south of that then, the trade winds come down from a northwesterly direction, typically blowing off the Sahara Desert. Whenever I'm teaching about the trade winds, I will always say to my pupils, the trade winds are your reliable friends. They're the friends that always will do exactly what you want them to do. Maybe a little bit dull, maybe a little bit boring, but they're very, very reliable called the trade winds because back in the day when sailing ships were sailing the seas these winds were so reliable that's that they really facilitated trade the trade winds pretty much always do what the trade winds do until we have the blocking high that is moved up a little bit further north because the jet streams moved a little bit further north so down to june 2023 Old school i'm looking again at that wonderful blocking high over the british isles which gave us that beautiful weather and i'm now looking down to where the azores high normally is and seeing what it would be typically a depression that would be affecting the british isles and this one is coming over the canary islands i think this was around about half term so if people had left england uh, we don't have that half term holiday but if people have left england to go to the canary islands thinking that gets lovely weather the Azores High was basically moved up over us, and there's that depression, there's that storm going in over the Canary Islands at that time. And if you go a little bit further south from that into where the trade winds normally are, Earth Middle Old School is showing next to nothing. So that real weakening of the trade winds, but it's all that interconnection, mm. the interconnection between the position of the jet stream, which can be influenced by El Nino, the redistribution of the pressure patterns, and the ultimate weakening of those, the jet stream, which, as you say, then, um, meant that there was a lot less Saharan dust coming across. And what you had just simply because of those few weeks of that, that unusual anomalous pressure distribution, all of a sudden, over those few weeks, you had this incredible, incredible spiking of the sea temperatures. Uh, in not just the the North Atlantic and the tropical regions, but right up around about the British Isles as well. Yep.
0: Right. So, folks, we're pretty much out of time. But just to recap, so what's happening here with these very significant temperatures is it's it's El Nino is the driver, but we have a, a dearth of Saharan dust, which usually calls. Um, the area down we have this um it's if you can look it up it's called an amiga block we have a a blocking system up in the upper atmosphere which is meaning we've got uh, a you know a driving air mass very warm air mass which is stuck here over the british isles off the west coast of the british isles which is not going anywhere that's feeding heat as well so there's three things um People have said to me, Kit, what about the fact that um, there's been a reduction of sulfur emissions from shipping, you know, almost a complete drop off. The jury is still out on that, about whether that's got something to play on that, because at the moment we've got so many different factors and so many different noises. And because and because that factor is very new, very sharp and sulfur you know, only lives in the atmosphere for a short amount of time, although it was consistently replenished by those shippings, the jury is still out about to what effect that actually is, has had. So you're just going to have to wait on that one and definitely don't make assumptions that this is all because of the, the drop in the sulfur emissions from, from the shipping. And then you've got... Um, so there's the other thing as well. So now, to finish off with them, have we hit a tipping point when it comes to climate change? You know, one of these one of these fabled tipping points where everything now starts cascading and we're on the road to, to, to hell from my point of view. And from what I've read from very reputable um, climatologists is that the answer is no, the answer is no. This doesn't appear to be right. A tipping point, but what it is showing us is that these conditions, which are abnormal, they're coincidental and they're getting these statistically significant spikes in temperature which which shouldn't be happening very often. They are happening. They are happening. And these things, coincidences, are becoming more and more likely. And of course, if you get so much heat feeding into this part of the world, you're then going to have impacts on things like the Arctic ice and everything like that. So it. I would say it's a warning shot. I would mm. say it's it's a shot across the bows. Like, well, folks, this is getting, you know, sort this out. Otherwise, this could be more probable in the future. Um, and... That's what I was thinking. And the other thing to look out for in the more shorter term, folks, this is really interesting to me because this was my, my, what I mostly focused on in my environmental science degree. And that is hazards and risk perception, stuff like that. Keep an eye on what's going to happen in this year's hurricane season. Mm. We, we are very uncertain about what's going to happen with this year's hurricane season. Why is that? We've got a lot of heat. In the Atlantic, in the mid-Atlantic, and the North Atlantic, we've got a lot of heat there. So conditions for sea surface temperature conditions are primed for very intense and frequent hurricanes. Um, we have weak trade winds, um, which you know You'd think, well, that that would that would help, wouldn't it? Well, actually, you know that can allow these these systems to really move slowly over this very hot water towards the mm-hmm. west and have the chance to gain energy. But here's the kicker. Because we've already got two at two hurricane, well, tropical, tropical storms, storms yeah. you know, already active now. And that's very uncommon. But this is the thing. El Nino tends to create something called wind shear because of the temperature imbalance, um, because of the heating in the Pacific and the relatively coolness on the other side, particularly of Central America. And that this causes something called wind shear. Hurricanes hate wind shear. It's like... It's like a shredder, you know, it's like throwing a shred, throwing a bit of paper into a whizzing shredder, right? If the wind shear is strong, those hurricanes will very quickly dissipate and break up before they, you know, fortunately or unfortunately cause too much damage. But we don't know yet whether to what extent that is. Until we see these hurricanes coming across Central America and and North America in particular, we're we're not going to see. But keep an eye on the hurricane season, keep an eye on what's going to happen. It's going to be really interesting. We could see a lot of hurricane activity breaking up before it gets over to the west. Or, God forbid, we see them coming like buses and causing a hell of a lot of damage. So, yeah, Yeah. that's to look out, folks.
1: Yeah, just on that subject, yes, the two tropical storms at the moment, um, Tropical Storm Brett's, which is slightly further to the west, and Tropical Storm Cindy, which are Mm -hmm. uh, formed very very unusually far over to the east um because of the the temperatures are now warm there it's normally much later in the season before they begin to form over that area so they've they're certainly amongst the most easterly forming hurricanes or tropical storms at this time of year um and not only to have one of them but to have two of them just tracking across at the moment um interesting in looking at some animated gifs in these ones. The one that's slightly more to the east, uh, Storm Brett, is being very badly affected by wind shear. So if you want an illustration of what Kit has just talked about, you'll you'll see that. It's spinning, but you see this kind of trail of clouds that are kind of spiraling in a chaotic way out towards the east behind it. But the one coming behind that uh, tropical storm, Cindy, is that that classic Mm. rotational storm that's happening. But there's the two of them and that's the first time since 1968 that the atlantic has had two near storms in june simultaneously there you go
0: there you go folks yeah and a, a picture when you go go and go into the show notes have a look at all, all these things here that alistair's talking about imagine it's this you know imagine stir you know you're baking a cake you're stirring you're stirring something in a nice linear um, pace steady pace and you know you get that nice kind of spinning rounding thing or you could whisk where it's completely you know so the hurricane to the right the hurricane to the west to the left you know that's almost like looks like it's being whisked up where it's just kind of like flapping all about and it's breaking apart whereas the hurricane to the east cindy is this quite smooth kind of circular you know your classic hurricane kind of kind of movement and so we're hoping our saving grace in terms of potential issues caused by hurricanes that they're going to happen like brett is happening where they hit this kind of like air shredder and they dissipate yeah. wait and see alistair we went on a little bit longer than the normal for this one but we had to um because yeah wow it's it's such <laughs> such a talking point at the moment uh folks remember uh what we've said before if you want to discuss this or f- or uh, follow up with us uh at all you can obviously find me Uh, via coffee jog pod or jog ramblings on social media you can find alistair at lc geography um so alistair thanks again for joining me and um the next newsworthy item that comes around they seem to be coming around like hurricane buses um we'll have you on again
1: (laughs) okay great job kid thanks again
0: north america just off the coast of